You've made it to the home of Blurred on the Street, where three black women talk about their geeky interests, nerdy pursuits, and current events. If you like our show, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Special thanks to NPR Girl and Phaedra220, who've already left us reviews. You can always find us on Instagram at Blurred on the Street and Twitter at Blurred Street. Now, on to the show. Hi, my name is Jenna, and I think coffee, books, and makeup are life. You can follow me on Instagram at SillyGirlJL or on TikTok at SillyGirlJLH. Jillian. A matcha latte and my Nintendo Switch are never far from my reach. You can find me at Jillian.Corinne on Instagram. Hi, I'm Lily and I run on flat whites and raspberry scones. You can find me on Twitter at Elise on Life. That's A-L-I-S-E-O-N-L-I-F-E. Welcome back, Blurds. Today we are going to be analyzing and discussing Loki episode Episode 3, Sylvie, well, who we know to be Sylvie, uh, the Loki variant, um, and one of the hunters, I think it's Hunter C-20 that she captured in the last episode, episode 2, at the Renaissance Fair, and they're um, talking over drinks. Hunter C-20, she gets a brain freeze, and they start talking about, like, the science of brain freezes, so um, the variant asks uh hunter c20 where the asking who how many how many soldiers are guarding how many uh minutemen are guarding the timekeepers and where in the uh tva building they are and uh you kind of see hunter c20 kind of coming out of this because we realize a second later that it's an enchantment that the variants doing trying to make i guess hunter c20 comfortable and like pretending that they're best friends so why wouldn't you talk to me about all this stuff at your work um but it's interesting because i think one of the times that hunter c20 kind of snaps out of it the the bar scene changes a little bit um so like one point they're talking and it's like bright outside it's like a cute like little um bar and then the next minute they're kind of like in like a dive bar it's dark i don't think there's much to say about that scene so i actually was wanting wanted to kind of get your take on this scene because i she kind of explains the way enchantments work i'm not sure if we got that 
in the last episode or if we find that out later on in this episode. I believe it's but, later on in this episode. Right, because I was wondering, is she actually creating scenes or is this like some, if this is a memory that the hunter had and she's inserting herself in as the other person who is there instead of, is she taking the place of a, a person who was already there or is this like she's just creating something that seems familiar to the hunter? I mean, that feels like an open question. I think it's, it's a, it, like the, the setting and the place obviously is from Hunter C20's memory, but whether the actual scene that is happening was the scene that happened in real life and just her as a, a substitute for the person that C20 was actually talking to. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think we ever know that, right? Like right. she says no, she's... I mean- we find out later that it's a memory. It's like a, a they built it around or around um, a memory and like a feeling of okay, this place is familiar to me, or if it's actually a, like a direct memory, direct memory that the variant just changes the script in. Also, here we we as watchers don't really know this yet that this even that this is sort of a prelude to us finding out that everyone at the TVA was once a human and had like a human life because um, the way it's presented it sort of just seems like the variant creates an atmosphere and a scene and uses that to try to lure um, C20 into giving her information. Mm-hmm. So on on first watch, I actually really did think that was what it was. That, yeah. that the variant created a scene where she would be a friend of C20. Yeah. And, and that would allow her to get information out of C20. But mm-hmm. looking back on it now, um, I'm like, so this is actually showing part of C20's human life. Right. And I think it's interesting because in in this show with the TVA and all the people in it, we don't see like them going home or even like really going to sleep. Um, the only people who, like, rest are Loki and, I believe, uh, Sylvie the Variant. I, I think we get scenes where they actually fall asleep, but we don't see anyone, like, like, Mobius, like, because I remember there was one point, I think in the first episode, he says, you know, we'll finish up in the time theater tomorrow, but we never really see time pass in the TVA or, like, we see, like, Mobius going home and like taking off his tie and like putting his feet up or anything. Like we only see them working. We never see them in their own personal space. We only see them in relation to the TVA. Yeah. So I thought this scene was weird when I first watched it because it's like, it's very dynamic. There's music playing. There's people walking around and not 
TVA uniforms, um, yeah. having a alcoholic beverage, which we mm-hmm. hadn't seen before, um, and like, you know, letting loose. <laughs> right. Well, I honestly, when I first saw this, when this scene first started, I thought it was a dream. Mm. Because I, you know, you had seen that Sylvie was messing with her in the in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that this was like, oh, she must be back at the TVA and maybe right. they're trying to figure out what's up with her and this is a dream she's having. Um, but then when Sylvie started specifically asking direct questions mm-hmm. about the TVA, then I was like, wait, something else is going on here. Like, I still knew it wasn't, like, real life, so to speak, but um, I knew that something else was going on, and and this is also kind of where uh, I started to maybe more critically look at what was, what, you know, was being presented, because Mm -hmm. then this is kind of when I got a feeling that's about Sylvie's powers and what she could actually do. And I'm like, maybe she's actually directly doing this to the hunter. All right. So then after the show title card, um, we open up kind of where we left off in the last episode where Sylvie... I'm just going to call her Sylvie instead of the variant because we we know we find out her name in this episode anyway. Um, So Sylvie, um, well, at the end of episode two, uh, Sylvie turns on the tempad and opens up a doorway and we see her in episode three coming out on the other side of that doorway. And she's actually back at the TVA. Uh, because this is her plan all along is to infiltrate the TVA and get access to the timekeepers. Um, but, you know, what she doesn't realize is that her powers won't work and she won't be able to enchant anybody. So we get this really awesome hallway fight scene, which I think is a staple of every superhero movie and TV oh, show sure. is the hallway fight scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. So, um, a moment going back to when she realizes she can't enchant. Mm-hmm. So the funny thing is that that was like me as a watcher's realization too. Like even mm-hmm. though they had set us up with this, right? Like, oh, yeah. the stones are just rocks, just paperweights. Right. Loki doesn't have power, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. When she went there and touched that person, I really was like uh oh it didn't even occur to me that like yeah those same rules are gonna have to work for her not the exact opposite because when she ended up in the tva that like my first thought was but her powers aren't going to work (laughs) i'm like i I don't understand how her powers aren't gonna work yeah what's the plan here (laughs) right it was at that point that because I guess at some point I didn't realize that Loki never said that powers don't work in the TVA or never implied. I, I I don't know. I guess maybe I just thought it was implied and that she would know that. Right. Um, she knows everything else about the TVA, it seems. Right. So, but that, that so also, I'm, that also begs the question, 
when did she know she had powers? Because if she was, mm. if she had powers as a child, right, before she was kidnapped, mm-hmm. then at some point, wouldn't she have tried to use them in the TVA and then known that they couldn't be used? So right. how did how did she not know already that she couldn't use her powers in the TVA? So, I'll be honest. I thought that I thought honestly that she had when she was younger. She just had regular, maybe regular Loki powers. Actual enchanting was something, I thought that was something that she grew into. Well, she says later in the episode that, because Loki asks her, how do you, because he apparently can't enchant people. Right. Or has never thought to, which I think is interesting because he's the god of mischief. And he literally enchanted people in Avengers 1. But he used the Tesseract to do it. But anyway, I digress. I digress. But she mm-hmm. says when that she had to teach herself how to right. uh, use that magic. But that seems to be the only magic she really has. If she taught herself, then that means that she didn't know these powers, know or ha- that she had these powers until after she was kidnapped and then subsequently escaped from the TVA. Right. Um, So that begs the question that is a Loki a Loki without powers? I'm also confused about that because Loki said, Tom Hiddleston's Loki said that he was taught magic by his mother and we know in Uh, Avengers Endgame that she says to Thor that she was raised by witches Um, so I don't know how but then also you gotta think about Doctor Strange like he just a normal I mean he was a regular degular I mean (laughs) I mean he's just like a guy like Sorcerer Supreme right yeah right and then we also like wonder like what about Wanda we we don't see her really come into her powers until she gets um, in contact with, I guess I'll say, of with the um, the uh, is it the soul stone or the mind? No, the mind stone. Um, yeah. Right. When she's with Hydra, um, and then she just has powers. She doesn't, and then you know um, we have that scene in WandaVision with. Um, um, Agatha uh, and she's like with the Salem she was in Salem Massachusetts so she's one of those witches it's like where where do people even get their powers I also think to be honest I think Loki feels like it this is my take on it is that he feels like it's beneath him to use magic when he doesn't have to when he can trick someone into doing something without okay. having to use his magic. And that's what I always felt was... Right, like, he, was like he would rather he, be clever. Plus, I think it's also something that he shares with his mother. Like, it's not like she taught Thor magic. Like, she just taught him. And so maybe that... I don't know if I'd say it's beneath him, but maybe it's just something he only whips out for, like, special occasions. Right. right. I think. Like running away around Lamentis trying to get off this planet that the, I'm sorry, the moon, get off this moon that this planet's going to crash into, I think was pretty, uh, 
Like, he seems like he uses his magic more in, like, those kind of desperate fight situations, right. I think. But but even even in, in the, now getting back to Lamentis, even, mm-hmm. even in much of, much of what they do is just, like, actually physical. Like, they're, yeah. they're not there mm-hmm. really using their magic that much. Like, no. Loki can teleport. Why did he just teleport onto the fucking rocket? Oh, he can? I When did he do that? When he disappears, right? Like, he disappears right. and then reappears right. somewhere else. He does else. it right when they land on Lamentis and Sylvie's trying to attack him to get the Tempad. And he just, like, zips behind her and then attacks Why did, her. Why did oh he just my God. do that onto the rocket? Maybe he has rocket. to see it, though. Maybe he has to see it, though. I don't know. Like, I don't no, know. Like, I, that was a thing in Doctor Strange when they used that, like, um that ring to make the circle to go to a right. place they like explain that you have, have to been, you have to be able to yeah. see it in so your maybe, head maybe maybe that's it maybe but yeah. but that's 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 the, the thing is that like it feel it feels like loki does like a lot of things physically that <laughs> he technically could probably use his magic for as a shortcut maybe it's because he'd rather because he makes a big deal about saying that he's smart. Maybe he likes to just know, like, well, I am smarter than everybody in the room. So maybe he, like, constantly feels right. like he has to has to prove that. Maybe that, like, goes back to his childhood. Because Thor maybe. was always, like, the golden child. So maybe it's like, well, I, he's, he's just going to be strong and whatever. I'm going to be smart and work on my mind being strong. That could also be because Thor is strong, but he uses his magic all the time. Like... He uses the thunder or whatever it is all the time. Um, right. In fact, moment. in fact, that Thor, like the, Thor, the movie exactly illustrated like the identity problems that he went through when he suddenly didn't have right. Mjolnir and then couldn't wield it when he found it, like in the the place where uh, Shield had surrounded and whatever. Built like, a camp all. around it. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of Thor's, like, personhood is wrapped Mm -hmm. up in him being the god of thunder and being able to wield Mjolnir. Where Loki, even talking about, oh, the god of mischief, but it's still like a a lot of his personhood doesn't seem to have to revolve around his magic. Right. That, That could be that he cultivated that whole persona because he wanted to be different from Thor. And he didn't want to just be using his magic for everything like Thor does. Right. But I also think it's like budgetary concerns. <laughs> <laughs> because like Loki yeah, like, has whipped out his magic all the time now. Like to dry himself and then to hide the tempad right. and hide his daggers. And like using it in a fight. And I think it's great, and I love to see it, but I'm like, why wasn't this in the Thor movies? Because, like, they had to spend the budget on the Thunder. They did. They had so to now it's Loki's turn budget. to have his whole thing. And I, I love to see it, because now we're, like, getting to know Loki, because essentially he was a side character, and now he's, like... I mean, he's always exuded main character energy, but now he's, like, officially, like, this is his title show. So I, I love to see it. The budget is open for Loki. <laughs> let's break down some of these scenes that uh, Loki and Sylvie have together yeah. on Lamentis. Mm-hmm. Um, what 
what what is how about we just all kind of um maybe throw out like a favorite scene that we could talk about okay um i really liked the scene in the mine shaft when they first get on lamentus um and kind of agree to become or or they have a truce at least to help themselves power up the tempad and or help each other and rather well help themselves is probably correct too um power the tempad so that they can get off lamentus before the planet crashes into them i'll be honest from the beginning when they said oh look there's a shuttle that's gonna take us off this moon and all mm-hmm. we have to do is get on it i was like they're not getting on it i was like it would not be that easy that mm-hmm. they could just be like oh all we have to do is get to the shuttle and we're off the moon and you know whatever i just didn't really believe that so i i liked the sort of ongoing scene once they were kicked off the train, first trying to get from where the point where they got kicked off the train, still trying to get to get to the shuttle. The shuttle. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's not like one single scene. It's sort of more the compilation of all of those yeah. scenes um, from point A to point B. But uh, I, I think that would be my favorite. But I, I honestly, I, I love the look on their faces at the end. When the show ended oh, up yeah. going up. Because yeah. I was just like, I, I kind of saw that coming, you guys. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you really think you were getting I mean, off? It's also interesting how, uh, like, Loki, Loki, our, our Loki, MCU Loki, like, kind of stands there for a while, like, looking up, like, mouth agape, like, wait, I actually failed at something. Whereas, oh, yeah. variant Loki, like, as soon as it, was destroyed she was you know she like looked like really downcast but she like turned her back and walked away right you know i think i feel that because i think she was used to right used to disappointment and used to having not not being able to do things like the easy way so to speak right she's lived her whole her whole life like running and jumping into different worlds and all that kind of stuff and nothing really is ever like oh yeah um just get on this rocket and survive this apocalypse right nothing's ever really like worked out for her including her plan to get into the tva i mean she obviously was planning to enchant whoever guard first and like have them take her to the timekeepers and that failed too so so this the the scene that I like that part afterward when they walk outside and she and Sylvie right away is like fuck like lamentous yeah. this is the this is the place that you choose all of the apocalypses I know and he's like... on this temp pad and you choose lamentous I know which I thought, I mean, I thought that was funny, but then later on thinking about it, I was like, wait, she knows every apocalypse that, mm-hmm. like, like how else would she have known Lamentis unless she had either been there before or has some way of knowing what's on Tempads so that she would have realized what apocalypse it was. Well, aren't they essentially like... Um... Can't, don't they hold information 
too. So maybe like each thing was loaded up and then like somebody's report was on that about Lamentis or something. Maybe. But it means that she had prior knowledge. Here's what I thought. I thought the temp heads were part of a central system. Every temp head had certain information on it and that the only difference would be um, how, I guess, your security clearance, so to speak. So, like, maybe if she had stolen, um, like, someone very high up in the... Mm, maybe um, in the TVA that she might have had more access to more information, but that generally speaking, all the temp heads had a certain level of information on there, and that to me, apocalypses probably wouldn't have been considered, you know, high level security mm-hmm. clearance. So that probably any temp head she stole or any temp head she used would have had that kind of information on there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's jump straight on to the train. So I feel like Loki, MCU Loki, throughout this whole thing, and it and it goes back to how how I was describing how he looked when when it was finally clear they weren't making it onto that rocket. But like he seemed really cavalier. Um, once they got onto the train and I'm not sure why he felt like he had to act so much I don't know he was just like too much on on the train like like it felt like he was asking to get thrown off but I also don't understand why they would have gotten thrown off because can I, that guy who reported them to the other guards, I consider to be a bit of a Karen. Because technically <laughs> everyone was enjoying the song and dance and joining in. Except that person. Couldn't just let Loki have his joy and mind their own business. Like, it's the end of the world. Like, why? I don't understand if they were already on the train, obviously... Well, at least to the other passengers, it would be like, well, they're, you know, they paid, they're, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna be here. Why was it weird that, I guess he was calling a lot of attention to himself, but I don't see why, except to move the plot along, that this guy would have gotten up and, like, reported them. I don't think these people belong here. They're singing and dancing. I, I feel like that actually is pretty indicative of of our society, right? Like, oh, yes. Oh, like, yeah. higher, higher class people. Like, it doesn't matter that maybe, yeah, if he's on the train, he paid for his ticket. Mm-hmm. It's just that this behavior um, clearly marks him as not one of us. And only us are supposed to be on this train. Yeah. It's just so very I, I barbecue, barbecue Betty. I kind of saw them getting kicked off the train coming or like at some point someone would be like, those people don't really belong mm-hmm. because, you know, like, I mean, and, and there's nothing against Loki or Sylvie, but there definitely was sort of a, I don't know, a feeling that they were um, not part of 
the rest of the people that were on there. And I know part of that probably was played up because they were focusing on Loki and Sylvie, but I did really think someone's going to figure out that they're not mm-hmm. supposed to be there. Oh. But they could have they could have just laid low. They could have laid like mm-hmm. really low. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and and still got through it. Loki often reminds me of like, and this is because I work with kids, but Loki often reminds me of like that five or six year old who knows what boundaries are and knows that, oh, we're not supposed to do this or I'm not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. But constantly misbehaves and mm-hmm. pushes those boundaries to see what the grown-ups reaction is going to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. yeah because i guess because he all like he needs attention because i guess maybe all the uh, the parents were focused on thor who was the heir mm-hmm. um, right and um yeah i feel like we get um in terms of when Loki was talking about um, Freya being the one who taught him his magic, I think we do get a different feel for that. Um, maybe some of Loki's like not feeling connected to Thor and his father was was partly came from him, as opposed to what may have really been happening. I was also going to mention. They pretty overtly don't belong based on their clothing, too. Yeah. Because everybody else on the train is dressed like they're going to the capital for the Hunger Games mm. um, opening <laughs> ceremonies. And <laughs> he actually takes off the uniform that would allow him to blend in the the um, uniform of the guards of Lamentis. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't really get into that. But he takes off that uniform he uses to get onto the train. And um, changes back into his variant suit. Um, and Sylvie points that out. It's like, what happened to your uniform? But like, he's too drunk to even care at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's also like overtly they don't belong. Um, aside from the fact that as a viewer, we know they don't belong. Right. I did. I did. Honestly, I'm glad you kind of brought that up. The uh... mm-hmm. The going to the capital for the Hunger Games. Yeah. This scene really reminded me of that. And I don't know if that was supposed to be. Like, I don't know if that was on purpose. It somewhat reminded me of um, Snowpiercer as well. Mm-hmm. Like, when they show the scenes with the upper class. Yeah, and um, I think it was, I don't know if it's, like, intentional to kind of mimic the Hunger Games, but the people who were trying to get on the train who were it was obvious they were poor because they were wearing like rags and layers of rags and they looked they were wearing very dark clothing as if it was dirty and then the people on the train wearing like pastels and very light colors and they're very like uh, over the top clothing whereas opposed to the people who were waiting were probably like using uh clothes as a function as opposed to fashion there are definitely optics that recall Mm -hmm. other things that people would be like oh you know Mm -hmm. in there like like we all we all know we're off to see the wizard is heavily (laughs) featured they definitely know their audience and how to feed into 
um, that stereotype and archetype. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's the, the the train, and they, you know, as as maybe people could have predicted, Loki acts up and gets them thrown off, mm -hmm. and then they they um, there is like a moment of despair, right? When yes. it's like, oh no, that was our only way there. Mm -hmm. Both of them like played off of each other on this, and then it blows up into this whole plan. And they see the Ark getting destroyed. And I actually really love that scene, how it just kind of gets pummeled. Yeah, it also kind of reminded me of the, the, the scene that I called out in the last episode where the uh i don't know what crashes into the rocks on electronic yes. billboard same kind of call back to that it's like oh no this is what happens in apocalypses something crashes into something really dramatically and <laughs> now you know it's like everything's gone to crap <laughs> i actually like kind of like the optics on that because it's like yeah Oh, the rich people thought that they were going to be able to. Yeah. And, right. Um, and then, you know, and they're, and, they're in, the, now they're in the same boat as the, mm -hmm. as the poor people they were denying access to the art. Right. Too. Yes. It's also interesting in that scene because they're like fighting to get Loki and Sylvia are fighting and running to get onto the arc and people are fighting them so that they can be, get there first. But then also I thought it was interesting that like there is soldiers fighting to keep them away. So it's like, what are you? We're like, you're down here with me, too. You're not on the right. arc either. Both of us are going to die. So I thought that was interesting, too. Like there are these gatekeepers to the wealthy getting on this arc or the ship. Yeah, very subtle kind of reminder uh, or um, uh, look at our society through the lens of Loki. Like, it's a very, like, small thing in Loki, but it's something that, you know, I think we can all kind of, at least us as three Black women can relate to uh, people right. gatekeeping. These gatekeepers are, like, deciding who gets to go on and not, but are they actually going to get on, too? Probably not. All right. Well, I, I think that's kind of it of uh, episode three, Lamentor. Yeah. It's a good episode. In true Marvel fashion, please enjoy this after episode cutscene where somehow we ended up attempting to apply physics to the MCU. If he, if he went back in time and was with her, then how does that change everything else? Yeah, but that's okay with the TVA and what's his face. Right, exactly. <laughs> he he basically gets to live two lives. Yeah, that's yeah. That's cool. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that.
but mm-hmm. but Loki he can't. Yeah, no, Loki know. is the problem. Yeah, pick up, pick up a, a tesseract at yeah. all. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. They don't even actually say what happened to the tesseract, though. They just confiscate yeah. it, right? Yeah, right. and then they reset the timeline, so it probably went back to wherever it's supposed to be. Right. right? So but now that. Oh, okay. Now that we kind of know. Don't they keep it? They keep yeah. the version that he took. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just sitting in some file drawers somewhere. Mm-hmm. Make a nice paperweight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My question, though, is right, that all of this, all, the, all these things, like they're just like objects and people and like all of that stuff, it takes like matter and energy to create them i feel like right. there should be like something else that happens yeah especially like if you're thinking like matter can't be destroyed oh no it's energy that can't be destroyed right yeah. okay never mind right and so like the tesseract puts off like a, a shit ton of energy yeah i i don't know i mean maybe when they reset the timeline it just goes dead like the stones weren't Oh, well, maybe. Like they were you know, maybe that's why they but, say they use them as paperweights. Maybe it loses its power. Maybe. But in that case, in that case, the the tesseract that they have is physically the tesseract that should have been in 2012. Mm-hmm. So a new right. tesseract has to be created. Right. In 2012. So oh, like right. creating a tesseract and. And then putting the amount of energy, like the amount of energy it would take to just create a new Tesseract. Yeah. And then the right. energy that the Tesseract itself holds. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, where, how, how, where does that come from? What is. I don't know. I don't it know. comes right. from, it comes from the, the energy of the prime timeline. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like really just talking. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, just... maybe they borrow the energy of all the like people. People that disappear when they reset. Yeah, yeah, I Maybe guess. Like a recycling. Maybe they just redistribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. they. I don't think they ever said if it was magic or some kind of science, but. Right. I don't. I don't think they ever said anything one I mean, way or the other. Magic is just science right. we can't explain yet. Right. Right. So, uh oh. but then it kind of interesting it's like well if there's infinite timelines and then you could get into all of that like how did those timelines get created and is it really just somebody was late to work so now there's a new timeline but it's not the right timeline like you were supposed to be at work on time so that this would happen it's a it's a lot yeah so It's just, it's very, an interesting commentary on free will and like an omnipresent uh, right. being, Right. I think. Right. I'm not sure what yeah, to make is. of that. Like, I couldn't really <laughs> explain it, but I do think, you know, I don't know if we could get into like the philosophy of that or if that would just be like the biggest rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a great... Um, study for visual culture uh and art history um which is why i'm like really glad that that was my major 
because now I really look at things differently and I'm like constantly questioning things. And so, Mm -hmm. and like this, how stories are laid out. Cause obviously when you create something like this, everything is intentional. Thanks for listening to Blurred on the Street.